So today is the feast day of Saint Teresa de Lisieux, and uh, she's famous the world over. And somewhat like Padre Pio, who we celebrated uh, a week ago, uh, it's very interesting how famous they are, considering that they weren't missionary, that they didn't travel, you know, they didn't go abroad holding conferences, they didn't, like Padre Pio, never wrote a book which became world famous or anything like that. During their lives, they were they were relatively unknown and exceptionally, oh, sorry, uh, St. Teresa of Lisieux was, was relatively unknown. Padre Pio was quite famous e- even in his day. Uh, it was only after St. Teresa of Lisieux's life that her, her, the story of a soul, her book, became, well, I suppose in modern terminology we would say it went viral. Uh, it, it was very popular. It was a very popular book indeed. Uh, but, but they were unknown, like they, they were hidden. They were hidden. They weren't traveling around. They weren't campaigning, if you know what I mean. And yet, and yet the Lord works such great things through them. Have you seen uh, the old, I haven't seen the new one, the old Charlie in the Chocolate Factory? Uh, you know, Veruca Salt, right? I want it now. Yeah, that, that one, yeah? Her. That's how I imagine St. Teresa of Lisieux uh, before, before her conversion, right? She was a spoiled little brat. She absolutely was. She was terrible. Like, she was terrible. Um, she, made it act like, she made it seem like she was doing everyone a favor if she made her own bed. You know, uh, she, was, she was really spoiled and a little obnoxious little yoke, you know? And, uh, and uh, I mean, like, she, she had experienced, yes, some tragedy in her life. Her mom passed away when she was four and a half. Uh, and she became her, yeah, well, she knew how to mutilate her dad, you know, and uh, she had him wrapped around her little finger, and she wanted everything her way, and if she didn't get it, like just the stereotypical spoiled little brat child, Veronica, Veruca Salt, uh, heels down, and she'd start crying, but then she'd start crying because she cried. She'd start crying because I got, I got upset, I can't believe I got upset because I got upset, and, the, and just like, just a big ball of uncontrolled emotion was what she was. It must have been absolutely awful, awful to live with her, because anything, anything could set her off. You know what I mean? Anything, if, if she didn't get what she wanted. But then how do you know what she wanted? Well, she wanted everything. <laughs> okay, so, like, she must have been miserable, absolutely miserable to, listen, to, to live with. Okay, I can leave the homily there, maybe. And <laughs> can, or, or maybe we can move on to how God fixes things. Yeah, that might be, that might be an idea. So, so... Uh, now, now she was, they, they were a prayerful family. They were a prayerful family. Uh, so, so like God, God was present and, and, and she had actually even in her own life experienced a miraculous healing where she had a fever and it looked like she was going to die. Or she, they thought, she thought she was going to die. People around her thought she was going to die. Her sisters came and prayed around her and she had a miraculous vision of Our Lady. And then she was healed. Okay, so it's like so like the, the, there was there's there's prof, there's profound faith here as well. Profound faith and human fragility, human weakness, human weakness at the same time. And again, this is why I, this is the kind of typically me though. When I look at the lives of saints, I'm not interested in how 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 high they were able, able to levitate because that will never be me. But I am in, in, interested in how God's grace works in human fragility because that's me on a daily basis. How God's grace works in human weakness. That's my life. So I, I, that's what I, generally when I'm reading about saints, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for how God turns the ordinary into the extraordinary. How God sees past the limitations and weaknesses of people and can form out of a, a lump of coal with enough pressure a diamond. So 
So St. Therese of Lisieux is a, just a wonderful example of that. She, at 14 years of age, there was this tradition that on, on Christmas Eve, uh, they would leave their, their shoes or their stockings down by the fire and uh, the parents would pop in sweets and candy and little gifts and all that kind of thing. But normally at 14, you kind of have, have outgrown it. But again, she always wanted everything. So she wanted her sweets and she wanted her candy and she wanted her things, you know, all of these, these little material little things. So she was going up the stairs. Her sister Celine was there. And then her dad, without realizing that they could hear, said, Jane, I hope this is the last year we have to do this. And then Celine looks at, at, at Trey's, expecting waterfalls and fireworks and everything. You know, so you can imagine Celine bracing herself now for Veruca salts. I want it now. I, and, and instead, Trey just goes, composes herself. Head up, walks downstairs, and, oh, thank you, Daddy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Papa. And sees her gifts. And Celine is there gobsmacked because she has never seen Trey's control herself ever. And Trey's writes about this later in, in her diary, saying this was, this was a Jesus moment. This was a kind of a conversion moment in her life when she suddenly realized, maybe I should think about my dad's feelings in this circumstance and not my own. Now, this may seem like such a, an innocuous example, such a small little thing, for a 14-year-old. But this was a turning point for her mentality, for her mind, maybe even for her heart. Life isn't all about you. Get over yourself. You know? And this, this, this clicked with her. Life isn't all about me. It's not about me. So she had a, a, a very, very strong will. At that point, or shortly afterwards, she decided she wanted to be a sister and enter the, enter the Carmelites. And they said, uh, no, you're 15. And she said, okay, thank you very much. I'll speak to the bishop. Spoke to the bishop. Bishop said, well, I can't really go over the Carmelites. Okay, that's okay. I'll talk to the Pope. <laughs> and so they went on a pilgrimage to, to Rome. And because she was small in stature, uh, she was able to kind of weave her way in through the guards and everything. And she said, she approached the Pope, which you're not allowed to do. Even to this day, it's kind of difficult to do. But back then, you could have been taken down by a Swiss guard. Okay, so she managed to kind of weave her way through the crowd and says, Holy Father, I want to, I want to become a sister, but they won't let me because they say I'm too young. And uh, she, she, she got kind of ushered away. She got carried away, actually, by two big guards. Imagine Eddie all right, car, car, carrying her away. I want to be a nun. I want to be a nun. Uh, so, but like, this was her. See, you see, like, when you turn that kind, of, that kind of strong will to something good, wowzers, that's, 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 that, that can be potent, potent mix. So anyway, long story short, Vicar General saw what happened. And, uh, and agreed, look, she said, if that's, if that's what you really, really want, we'll make it happen. So she did. She entered at, uh, at I think, 16. She entered the, the, the Carmel then, and the cloister. And, uh, yeah, it was some of what she expected. But something had happened in her heart, which made her experience of religious life very, very different. See, you see, even to this day, like when people approach me and say, I'm, I'm considering religious life, you always have to be careful. Are you entering religious life because you want to love the Lord and serve him? Or are you entering religious life because you're afraid of everything else? Are you afraid of marriage? It's because I'm afraid of marriage, I'll be, I'll be a nun. You know? That's a rubbish example, a rubbish reason to become a sister. You know? You have to become a sister 
as a positive yes to God and not I'm terrified of marriage. That's, 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 not, that's not the right way to do things. So you can enter religious life for all sorts of reasons. Even within religious life, there can be all sorts of, of, of tensions and problems. And, you know, we bring our, our human weakness in with us. Okay, so she enters religious life and she wants to be a saint. Now, keep in mind, she's young. 16, 17, 18 years of age. And she wants to be a saint, but she's saying, I want to be a saint, but I, but I can't do all those great things like the martyrs did. I can't go off to, to foreign countries and, and you know, be martyred uh, in, in, in some epic battle for Christ. That I can't do. And so she was reflecting and, and praying for, for, for years, actually delving into a spirituality which we now, we now call St. Teresa's Little Way where she discovered that I can't do great things, but I can do small things with great love. I can do small things with great love. I like that because, again, that's your day. That's my day. Going to Lidl shopping is a small thing. You can, well, not in our house. <laughs> not in our house, it's, it's a very impressive thing, actually, uh, with all the, all, the, all the trolleys we end up with. But to do that small thing with great love, that's daily life. That's daily life. And it also means then that nobody is exempt or no one can say, well, sanctity, that's for the priests and the religious and the saints and the martyrs, but me, I'm just a bricklayer. Well, lay bricks out of love, St. Therese would say. Lay bricks out of love. And there were all sorts of difficult situations. Like in, in religious life, again, as I say, we, we bring our human fragility. There was one particular sister who St. Therese had to, take, had to take care of, and she was one of those difficult people who are really never happy with anything. So you bring them their, their toast. Oh, it's only toasted on one side. Oh, God bless us. That's, oh, that saucer doesn't match the cup. I can't drink that tea. Oh, this is half cold. You know, just one of those people who, no matter what you did, and you say, oh, of course, sister. One second, sister. <laughs> all right. She did all that without the eye roll. That would be me. I did the eye roll. That's, that wasn't her. Okay. So, and she would come and she would serve. And then... This awkward sister says to her after a couple of months, why is it that you like me so much? You always come into my room with such a big smile. Whereas inside, you're dying. Inside, you're like, out of love for you, Lord, out of love for you, out of love for you, out of love for you, I serve. I love. Out of love for you, I love this person. Why is it you like me so much? Oh, you know, because you're charming. <laughs> but... When her sister, her sister had entered the Carmel before her, her sister became superior there. So then they, they didn't want to make Trey's a sister as well, because then it might look like the Martins were trying to take over the place. So Pauline asked Trey's if she would remain a novice, uh, which is what happened. So she became responsible for the novices, even though she was very, very capable, very smart, and had to remain a sister, had to remain a novice, sorry, rather than becoming a sister, which again is a... It, it, a small, it, may, it may seem like a small humiliation, but as a novice, you have to ask permission for everything. Everything. You know, if you want to rest, walk, eat, sleep, you, mean you, ask, you ask permission for, for everything. So, yeah, as again, a small little humiliation offered with great love. All the while she was writing her diary, actually, in, in obedience, she was asked to do this. And then at the age of about 23, she coughed up blood. And, yeah, medical care wasn't, wasn't what it is now. So the cure was just rest 
And uh, little by little, she became weaker and weaker, but always did so with uh, a, such a great smile that people who visited her thought she was putting it on. In her diary, she writes that my pain was so great, were it not for my faith, I would have ended my life. But she, she carried it with such a smile that people thought, she's not even sick. And she died at 24. 24. It's, it's quite incredible that, that, that she managed to do so much in, sh- in such a short space of time. To compose or maybe, maybe formulate. It's not like this spirituality is new, but it, it, it's formulated in a very kind of compact way to do all that we do out of love for God with, 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 with great love, which is as much love as we can muster, much love as we can put into it. Afterwards, then, the story of the soul became uh, a bestseller all around the world. To this day, it's still it's a, a, a classic in, in, in spirituality. And she wrote, great deeds, uh, because she's a Carmelite sister, right, so she was enclosed, so she's not going to be able to do great deeds out there. So she wrote, great deeds are forbidden to me. The only way I can prove my love is by scattering flowers. And these flowers are every little sacrifice, every glance and word, and the doing of the least actions out of love for the Lord. So this is something that you and I can imitate. This is something that you and I can do on a daily basis. We don't need permission. We don't need a schooling to do it. We just need practice to do all things out of love for the Lord. So we ask Saint Therese today to pray for each one of us, especially for those of you on, on retreat this weekend, to, that, these, that these days may be an ever deeper encounter with the Lord, that they may reveal to us his heart, and that we might respond to his love by doing all that we do every day out of love for him.